Hi everyone, I'm Dr. Mila Brugic and today we're joined with Dr. Jeff Varnelli where we're going to get insane in the membrane on the Optometric Insights Show. Jeff, thank you for being on here. Truly, really, really do appreciate it. Um, Jeff, for again, it's hard for me to picture that people aren't familiar with you, but for those who may not have met you before or heard you lecture before, um, give us a little bit of background on yourself, where you practice um, and what type of practice setting you're actually in. Yeah, great. And thanks, Mila, seriously for the invitation. Uh, it's great to be on here with you and really looking forward to this. So this is uh, something new and something fun and definitely appreciate the opportunity. So a little bit about me. I'm an ICO grad from the late 90s, been practicing, so going on close to 25 years. But right now I'm in Metro Detroit, Michigan, and I practice with an ophthalmologist. We have a two-location practice, three-doctor practice, um, and really kind of seeing everything and anything that walks in the door. But Definitely treat a lot of anterior segment disease. Uh, we do a lot of cataract procedures, and that's kind of really where my passion is, is this dry eye anterior segment pathology. Well, it's interesting. Jeff, is it, am I correct in assuming that, I mean, you're really practicing to the full scope of your licensure in the state of Michigan. Is that a correct statement? Yes, absolutely correct. You know, we want to practice, you know, to to our highest capabilities. And, you know, truly, I'm doing um, I'm doing what my license allows. That's great. I, um, I, I, I don't live too far away from your, I'm originally from Windsor, Ontario in Canada, right across the river from kind of where you live um, in the, like the greater Detroit area. But um, Jeff, I, I really wanted to pick your brain on, on a topic where, you know, I've heard certain individuals talk and discuss this, but amniotic membranes just seem to be getting more visibility within the ophthalmic space, not just ophthalmology, but optometry as well too. And I know you have a lot of experience with it. So I wanted to do a real deep dive for um, for the audience, for those that may be interested in grabbing some clinical pearls and for those that are, are thinking, how do I even start or start using amniotic membranes? So give me like the top two to three conditions that you're leveraging amniotic membranes for currently. Sure. And, you know, honestly, these are these are uh, conditions that everybody is going to see in practice. So my top two probably are going to be dry eye and recurrent corneal erosions, things that we see all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, some peripheral ones, you know, I will use it for neurotrophic keratitis in certain mm -hmm. instances. But really, these dry eye patients where we just need to clean up the cornea, um, even before cataract surgery or other types of refractive surgery, the amniotic membranes do a really, really good job of cleaning up that inflamed um, inflamed cornea. And then recurrent corneal erosions, we have this breakdown of tissue where just the healing capabilities of these membranes can really enhance the, the epithelial proliferation, um, really decreasing the amount of time or the amount of frequency with which we're seeing these erosions break through. Yeah. And Jeff, so there's two categories or classes of amniotic membranes. You know, we have the cryopreserved and we also have um, the dry membranes. So describe both of those similarities and differences between the two. And if you could um, give us instances where you might be reaching for the cryo versus the dry membranes. Sure. And yeah, I mean, we have the dehydrated, we have the cryopreserved. Um, you know, in my experience, I've used both. I've used, I believe, every single dehydrated one out on the market. I've used the cryopreserved and I use them both um, routinely. And depending upon the patient, depending upon the indication really, you know, allows me to gravitate towards which one is going to be um, best suited. But from my experience, the outcomes with both have been virtually identical. So I don't necessarily see a clinical difference in the outcomes in which I'm using them or for which I'm using them. So, so Jeff, 
Well, I was just going to say with the cryo, you know, there's nothing really else to, to, to utilize, right? I mean, you're just putting it on the eye and everything is self-contained. You got the ring, you have the amniotic membrane right on there, correct? Correct. So I generally will cover those patients with some kind of, um, some kind of combination drop, usually antibiotic steroid combination, and even the dehydrated ones too. But the cryopreserve, yes, if the patient cooperates, I mean, that that ring can go in within five seconds. Mm-hmm. Anatomy does play a role. Some patients that have tighter or deeper set orbits uh, might be a little bit more challenging to them. A situation where I might use the cryopreserved, maybe a patient who in the in the past has been known not to tolerate a soft contact lens, mm. it might be better suited for them. Um, maybe patients that have a pretty significant chemical burn, sometimes mm-hmm. just where that contact lens sits on the limbus um, and the limbal stem cells, that might not necessarily be the best option. So that wider mm-hmm. 21, almost 22 millimeter ring with the, with the cryopreserved can maybe serve a better purpose there. But, you know, on the flip side of that, the recurrent corneal erosions, there's some studies by Fraunfelder and Cabejas that actually look at leaving a bandage contact lens in, in these recurrent corneal erosion patients for longer periods of time, decrease the frequency with which these erosions occur. So in those instances, I generally will gravitate towards a dehydrated lens because after that lens goes in, you have to put a bandage contact lens over the top to hold that in place rather than the patient blinking it away. And so I'm able to leave that contact lens in a little bit longer after choosing the right and appropriate one, and then maybe replace it every few weeks just to to really enhance that epithelial adhesion and that basement membrane remodeling. That's great. Now, Jeff, do you ever use it for, um, because, you know, really what you've been talking about is these kind of more chronic conditions. Do you ever think about an amniotic membrane for a, a severe keratitis, infectious in nature, where you're, you know, you're loading it up with antibiotics? Let's assume you have a bad um, infectious keratitis. Do you ever consider um, amniotic membranes for those situations? You know, great question. There's there's a couple of schools of thought on that. Um, personally, I, I'm not really using it if there's something really active going on. Once I get that epithelium closed, if I want to maybe decrease the chances of scarring, perhaps it's something that you can consider. Mm-hmm. But anything active with an active infection, I'm generally not going that route. Um, I'd rather get the infection under control, get the pathogen out of the way, and then look at it mm-hmm. if we need to do something to to maybe enhance the corneal surface. And Jeff, can you kind of go over with, so let's let's go cryo first and then we'll do the dry membrane. So you put a cryo membrane on the eyes. When do you see these individuals back for a follow-up? Yeah, it really depends upon um, the indication. But typically, um, you know, if there's a large abrasion that I'm going to use it for, I might see them back within a day or so. If I have to debride, um, kind of the same thing. I might see them back within a day or, or two. If it's just a, a dry eye that we're addressing, you know, those patients might be able to go three, five days, just depending upon the day of the week and how the weekend falls and the patient's schedule. Cryopreserved, kind of the same thing. Um, really inflamed eye. Yeah, maybe I want to see them back the next day. You know, these patients have a very diseased eye. That's why we're using these membranes. And so then we're throwing something else on top of it. And it probably warrants a little closer look just to make sure things aren't going to get overly inflamed or overly, overly irritated. And Jeff, are you, are you keeping the eyes closed on these individuals after you put the membranes on both cryo and dry? Are you keeping them open? I mean, what's, what's the course or the path that the patient can expect? 
Yeah, you know, generally it's, I like to lay the expectations out at the at the beginning for these patients. So I tell all patients, you know, anticipate your vision being blurry for at least a few days until that membrane starts to dissolve. And, you know, for some patients, depending upon the amount of inflammation, that could be within a couple of days. Other patients, it could be a week. So generally, they're binocular, both eyes are open. The cryopreserved has a couple of different um, ring heights, and the the thinner one, the slimmer ring, will actually sit and fit a little bit better for patients. Some of the previous modalities, that ring height was a little bit higher, and so patients would feel it a little bit more. And sometimes you could just get a little piece of tape and just kind of create this little tape sorophy off mm-hmm. to the side just to prevent movement. But since I've gone to that slimmer ring with those patients, I really haven't had to do that. Again, same thing with the dehydrated membranes. These patients are binocular. So I generally, you know, consciously am choosing not to tape their eyes fully shut. I don't want to create this this haven for bacteria, you know, Mm -hmm. in this dark and warm environment that Mm -hmm. um, bacteria can play and hide in. Good point, Jeff. And then are you usually keeping these patients? I mean, you you talked about severe dry being one of the indications for this. If they're on medications, are you keeping them on those medications, even with the dry membranes? Are you discontinuing those medications? I mean, how are you leveraging the medications that they may chronically be taking? Yeah. So for example, if some patient is going to be um, a chronic dry eye patient on cyclosporin or lefitograst or something else, Um, generally with that membrane in, I'm having them discontinue those drops while the membrane is in because I do have them on some type of combination medication, a steroid antibiotic combination as well. So they're still getting some anti-inflammatory benefit, but for all membranes, generally, especially for the dry eye patients, this is kind of just a stepping stone. This isn't the chronic solution to their Mm -hmm. chronic problem. This is let's get you better and then have, you know, your adjunct medication continue to do what it needs to do. That's great. So it sounds like, Jeff, identifying the patients, placing membranes on, and depending on the condition that you're treating, seeing them back anywhere from one to five days, again, depending on what you're managing. And then, uh, you know, for clinicians that are looking, what are the expectations when they come back? I mean, I know there's obviously variability in the clinical responses, but what what could you expect for an RCE patient or for um, or for a dry patient when you're seeing them them back? I mean, are you seeing substantial improvement? Are you seeing some improvement? You know, like you said, it does depend upon the clinical picture and the patient. Everybody's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, but for most of my dry eye patients where I've used this, this has kind of been the nice um, almost induction therapy that we used to talk about years ago with some corticosteroids before we would start a patient on some chronic dry eye treatment. So I've used it in that situation. I get that cornea cleaned up and then we're going to use some more chronic therapy. Recurrent erosion, kind of the same thing. I've had great success, especially, you know, if you accompany these recurrent erosions, these membranes with debridement, throwing them on some kind of anti-inflammatory MMP, these, you know, inflammatory enzymes that we can see, and you have this chronic um, inflammation, if we can control it long-term, you know, the likelihood of them recurring and breaking through is really, really low. That's great, Jeff. Now, um, kind of just as a follow-up question, you know, relatively recently, we now have access to um, amniotic drops, essentially. Um, do you have any experience with those? And if so, um, where do you position those in the arena of amniotic membranes? Yeah, and I think, you know, the whole concept behind those amniotic uh, membrane drops, and there's even some umbilical cord serum drops. I mean, there are some different ways that we can go. 
you know, the whole concept behind this are these regenerative growth factors. Um, you know, we have these anti-inflammatory mediators that are present not only in the membranes, but in also some of these drops. And you can get some of this, you know, amniotic cellular fluid and you could um, accompany that and mix that with some other BSS or some other solutions. So I do believe that we're probably going to see a little bit more of that coming into play for our dry eye patients as well. When you look at the success that we can have with these amniotic membranes, and then now we could take it on a constant topical, continual topical treatment, um, I do think there's going to be some benefit there. It's not necessarily mainstream yet, but we're seeing a little bit more of that come into play and come into the um, into the industry. Well, Jeff, this was this was awesome, and this was enlightening, and this is why why we wanted you here. We wanted to do a deep dive into this, and we wanted to provide a clinical strategy for for clinicians on this because this is a growing area of interest within eye care, both ophthalmology and optometry. So, so Jeff, we thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks, Mila. I appreciate it. I uh, appreciate the opportunity. And this is something we as optometrists can do. So feel comfortable, get uh, get this in your practice because you're definitely going to be helping your patients with it. And, and thank you all for joining us today on the Optometric Insights Show. And again, Jeff, thank you for being here. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you.